You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7, and with me is my man Rusty Mansell. And, uh, folks... The SEC has announced Georgia's two additional opponents. If you haven't heard already, which, you know, I, I assume a rock's kind of tough to live under, uh, the SEC went to a 10-game conference-only schedule, meaning that Georgia would have to add two teams to its current eight-game slate of conference teams. And uh, Georgia came out smelling like a rose, and, and I'm not using that as a pun because of the Rose Bowl and the playoffs and all that stuff. Uh, Georgia got Arkansas on the road, and Mississippi State, two teams in head coaching transitions, two teams that hired very interesting head coaches, in my opinion. But, uh, Rusty, let's jump right into it, man. What are your overall thoughts on adding those two teams that was, you know, that, that, that kind of come into the mix in an already tough SEC West slate for Georgia this year? I mean, I think that's the best-case scenario with, with the new schedule. you got 10 SEC games now. Listen, let's just be honest. We all love Sam Pittman. That roster is depleted. It's going to take him a while to get through that. Uh, you get to a Mississippi State team that's in a, co- a new coaching staff, uh, transfer quarterback, didn't have spring practice. I mean, Mississippi State definitely has some guys on their roster. They're going to have K.J. Costello, quarterback out of Stanford. I just think, um, you know, for Georgia's perspective, and you look at – we're going to talk about some other teams. But when you look at Georgia's perspective, already having Alabama and Auburn at Alabama and then Auburn at home at some point, uh, I think it's a really, really, really good case for Georgia. you got a tough schedule, but uh, tonight I think Kirby Smart is probably smiling. That was good news for Georgia uh, going into a 10-game season in the 2020. Absolutely. And, and you know, you, you had heard the rumors going in, um, you know, that, that – obviously you you had this first but really I mean you had this a week ago and I wrote about it and I said that if these two teams were added that Georgia's the difficulty of Georgia's season was I mean was basically unaffected when it came to the schedule because you know you you lose a couple power five teams in Virginia and Georgia Tech and and then obviously you lose you know a few home games there but um you you add Mississippi State and, and Arkansas, and again, that coaching transition is such a big deal. I mean, look at Georgia in 2016. That sure. roster changed some. That roster changed some for the better in Kirby Smart's second season at Georgia, but he got so much more out of those players, out of those key players in 2017 than he did 2016. Uh, you know, you, Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb had better seasons in, in year two, probably because the offensive back. line was better. You know, those guys uh, came back, you know what I mean? Too, right, that's, yeah. That's a deal. Exactly, exactly. You got a chance to get the culture in. You you got a chance to add a few of those, you know, first full recruiting cycle guys. You, you added Jake Fromm and, and Andrew Thomas and Roquan Smith played better. Lorenzo Carter and Davin Bellamy played better. I mean, they, they got a lot out of, out of moving from year one to year two. There's a reason that there's that year two magic or year two whatever that people like to talk about, it, mojo. And, and, you know, Georgia's catching these guys in year one, which is typically a struggle for most programs. And I think that's big when you're talking about two teams that are trying to fight their way 
um, back to uh, to to some relevance in Arkansas more so than than uh, Mississippi State. I mean, Mississippi State did play in a bowl game last year. They won the Egg Bowl in controversial fashion. They went six and seven. Um, you know, Arkansas hasn't won an SEC game in what a couple years. Uh, that that's tough. And and you know, you feel for Sam Pittman. I mean, you knew Sam. I knew Sam. Uh, he did a great job for Georgia. I think a lot of Georgia fans probably feel pretty tough for him right now. But this is this is really good news for Georgia. And you know, I'll have more um, on this as far as the written word goes here in the next couple of days. But but uh, you know, I've got my thoughts on the schedule. A few of them I keep to myself for Georgia for right now. But ultimately, I just I think that you know you you hit the nail on the head that this is the best case scenario. And um, you know, a thing that I like about it, Rusty, is that these two teams are on Georgia's schedule next year. And this takes me back to the pre-14 game, 14 team conference thing, where there used to be two rotational teams on your on your schedule from the SEC West, and Georgia basically has three rotational teams next year, but they'll get a chance to return the favor, and they'll go to Mississippi State and they'll host Arkansas next year, and that kind of I don't know. There's a little bit of nostalgia there for me from back in the day whenever there were 12 teams in the SEC. And it really seemed like, you know, you, you kind of got to burn through a lot of SEC West opponents as opposed to how it is now where you go six years between playing teams. Yeah, I don't think Georgia goes to Texas A&M to what? Is it 2026? So, I mean, it's it's going to be a while. 20, 2026 or 2025, something like that. Yeah, it's 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 down the road. It's crazy. You know, look, Georgia fans are kind of locked that one in. That Texas A&M traveled, you know, even, even in not the – you know, they knew they were kind of out of the SEC championship at that point, but – you were there. I was there. They, they brought a ton of fans uh, for that Texas A&M game in Athens last year. So I expect Georgia will as well. Uh, first time being in that stadium. But man, when you dig in this a little further, you know, comparing other schools, you got you got to look look now. The Missouri and Kentucky and Arkansas, I think, really, man, they really got some games. But when you look at Tennessee adding Auburn and Texas A&M. Man, you know, you're talking about a year where Tennessee fans were, if, if things go well, you know, I think they, they thought they could win 10 games. And we don't know about their complete roster yet. We definitely know that it's probably trending uh, a lot under Jeremy Pruitt. Quarterback plays the question there. But Georgia adds Arkansas and Mississippi State, and they add Auburn and Texas A&M. By the way, they play Alabama and LSU, correct? I'm I sure. believe so. I believe that's right. So, I mean, Tennessee – has got a brutal schedule. I mean, a brutal schedule. So, um, you know, you look at a, an SEC foe, SEC East foe, it's going to be considered a, a team on the on the up, uh, uprise. And then you look at Florida, who, you know, I, I made this talking to, to multiple, multiple sources. And outside of Georgia now, this is not just Georgia sources. Florida was doing everything they could not to play Alabama, and I do not blame them one ounce. Uh, they thought at one point they were going to pick up Alabama and Texas A&M. I have no idea what went into these things and how it worked out, but they did. They are going to Texas A&M, which will be a very tough football game. Uh, but they get Arkansas at home, so you know that's a real good case scenario from what most people thought last week. Because most people thought last week Florida was going to get Texas A&M and Alabama, but uh, you know, tough road game at Texas A&M, Arkansas at home. I think they ought to be pretty happy with that situation compared on what most people thought going into this. Yeah. And if you look at it, I mean, I feel for any team that had to add, if you already had a, a tough team from the other conference on your schedule, like, you know, 
Florida had LSU, Georgia has Alabama and Auburn. I was going to feel for whoever had to add uh, an extra, another really good team. And, you know, you know, Alabama having, having Georgia and Tennessee, Tennessee being on the rise a little bit, maybe not considered quite in that, you know, in, in, you know, obviously not a top 15 team, like, like some of these others, other guys are, you know, I, I think that adding Florida to the schedule may have been a little bit more unfair to Alabama than it would have been to Georgia. I still think Alabama's cross conference or cross divisional slate is easier than Georgia's when you add when you have Tennessee, Missouri, and Kentucky. But at the same time, I also believe Alabama's got a tougher divisional schedule than what Georgia has with LSU and Auburn and Texas A&M. I say that I'll tell you this though, Rusty, the nightmare game for Georgia because it would have been this way if Georgia would have had to add Texas A&M would have been to have to had to go to College Station to play that game. Because not only do you add Texas A&M to Auburn and Alabama that is already there, but you're going into kind of a, a little bit of a virus hotspot area right now, and, and maybe it's not that way whenever that game theoretically would have rolled around. I know it, was a, it was a long trip, and I know they've got one of those to Arkansas, but at least if you're making a long trip, I mean, I, I hate you know kind of coming across like this, but Georgia's going to go to Fayetteville, and they're going to play a very overmatched Arkansas team. And – you know, Georgia can go out there and they can kind of get off to a slow start and they can survive it. Whereas Texas A&M's got a lot of really good football players returning and and that wouldn't have been a game that would have come with as much, you know, that would have allowed the margin for error. And so I think that's that's something you kind of look at there too. Uh, Rusty, obviously when you, when you take a look at the whole thing, um, is there any, you know, you, you look at, uh, I think it's Missouri and Tennessee and Arkansas that kind of really ended up getting kind of a, almost a little bit of a raw deal. I mean, somebody's going to get it. I mean, there's no way to completely balance this thing out perfectly. I, I look at it, and I don't necessarily know what could have been moved around to save some of this, but is there any team that you feel like other than Georgia that kind of made out like a bandit? Maybe Georgia and Alabama, I guess, ended up in pretty good shape, but they actually play each other. Any other teams you feel like kind of really got off pretty easy? You know, I think we – pretty obvious to who we thought got the better end of the day, but I'll tell you this, South Carolina, man, they added Auburn to that schedule already. And if, if you go by strictly on today, today's games, they got 10 games, five of their games right now, before they even kick off and the coaches poll will be against number four, number five, number eight, number 11, and number 13. They play five of the top 13 teams in the country. Whether you agree or not, you know, there's some smoke. You know, Will Muschamp could be on the hot seat right now in South Carolina. You know, four and eight yeah, last year, big Georgia win. But I think the opposite of what kind of what we're talking about, who, who, who came out great, man, adding Auburn to that schedule um, in, in the Ole Miss team that under Lane Kiffin could be very interesting. I mean, man, that, that is – South Carolina fans are probably right now going scratching their head, going, "Man, that is that is that is hard to handle." You know, I look at Ole Miss. That, that they they should doesn't if Arkansas doesn't, I think South Carolina may have the toughest schedule in the country. You know, I look at Ole Miss. Ole Miss kind of you know that they got a couple of of I don't know necessarily I don't want to say winnable but very competable games in South Carolina, Kentucky, LSU made out pretty well, adding Missouri and Vanderbilt. A team sure. in transition, and then Vandy. That I mean, you know, I mean, I respect Derek Mason a lot, but they're not very yeah. good. Alabama um, offered. Alabama offered. Alabama 
added Missouri and Kentucky. And and I, I hadn't looked at all the boards, but I can imagine what's going on in the in the in the boards in the twenty four seven SEC network right now. Alabama added Missouri and Kentucky. That's the, I'll, I'll leave it at that. All right, Rusty, let's take a quick break real quick, and we've got a little bit on the other side. We're going to talk about potential scheduling things and kind of what we want to look for there because the actual schedule, which is going to play a big part in the difficulty of this thing, has not been released yet, and we're going to discuss that a little bit on the other side. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Rusty. Other side of the, uh, uh, the, um, the other side of this is the schedule, okay? Uh, do you think at this point that Georgia would begin the season at Alabama? Interesting, I heard. We, we both do the show. We both do the Chuck Oliver show out at Atlanta. And I heard Chuck mention this as I was driving this week. The Pac-12 came out with their schedule. And a lot of their – they don't have a ton of big games, okay? They have the UCLA, USC, you know, Oregon, Stanford, Arizona, Arizona State. They have a couple – Washington, Oregon, you know, those type games. They have a few headliners. Now, what they did with their schedule, most of those games are up front. Now, are they trying to create eyes on their program while other teams aren't playing on their on their conference? Or are they saying, we're not sure we're going to make it all year, so we're going to make sure UCLA plays USC early and make sure that game happens? So my thinking is, could the SEC say Georgia-Alabama – the odds are they're going to play again in December if that that's still on paper or Florida. But most think Georgia, Alabama, I would think, if we're betting, not talking about writing a story. I mean, if you had to go in and put money down, I'd be willing to bet most people would say Georgia and Alabama in December. Are they going to play them early thinking that these two teams are going to play again late? Because I don't see them putting Georgia and Alabama at week eight and then playing again in week 10. So what I'm saying is, do they make those games, these these stronger games early? You know, will LSU play Florida earlier than normal? Big games like that. Really don't know how this thing's going to lay out, but I thought that was very interesting from Chuck's part, and I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? If there's anything, I still think Georgia plays Alabama very early. It might not be the first one, but I bet you they play them very early. Week two, probably. Uh, I don't see it going past week three, and I think that's what everybody wants to see is Georgia and Alabama. I think everybody would agree to get a couple of games in if possible, but they're going to play early in my opinion. 
Yeah, I would think so, too. I don't necessarily know that, that this means they would play early, but I think late in the season is out because Iron Bowl, the, I mean, the, they're not going to want Georgia-Alabama anywhere near the Iron Bowl, I don't think. That also brings me to another point, which is, I mean, shoot, man, if you want to keep the tradition of the Iron Bowl going with the possibility of a season getting canceled, would you consider moving it up? Um, yeah. Which I very seriously doubt it, but you know that's that's one of the things that that's going to really suck about this is if the season ends up getting canceled after three or four games, and you know the Iron Bowl doesn't get played for the first time since I don't know when. Uh, but but I do I, I do agree very much with the way you're going at that, and and listen, I think getting the season started off. I mean, we're starting four weeks late, three weeks late, four weeks late, and I mean. Shoot, man, it would be awesome. It's three weeks, actually, but it would be so awesome to kick off the season, Georgia and Alabama in Tuscaloosa, limited fans, no fans, whatever. I don't care. I'm not one of these people. Listen, I've been watching Braves games like a madman, okay? I've been watching golf like crazy. I don't care if there are fans there or not. I want to see the action. I want to be a part of it. And, and, and consume it. And uh, I don't even know if I'm going to be at these games yet. I've traveled to every one for five years. I don't know if I'll be there for, for these this year or not. We haven't figured all that out yet in press box and all that stuff. So, But but ultimately, I just think that you're looking at a, at a scenario where you can start the season with a, a sledgehammer. And, and I like that. I really do. And I know Georgia fans are going to have some apprehension. And I wrote about it today. Would you trade uh, – would you trade – you know, getting two weaker SEC teams on the schedule if it meant, you know, you could have a warm-up game for Alabama, meaning that, you know, instead of, you know, getting, let's say, Arkansas and Mississippi State, that you would get a warm-up game of whoever it was, and it could have ended up being LSU or Texas A&M before Alabama. And most people said, give you know, give me Alabama first and then, you know, take the weaker schedule as well. But that may be what it pans out to be. But starting the season off fast like that is, to me, is massive. And, uh, you know, I'm interested to see how it would end. Uh, you know, would, would there be a high-profile game for Georgia towards the end of the season? Would they try to fit one in there? Maybe Georgia-Tennessee to end the season? Um, you know, the, I don't know now with Tennessee's schedule if that's going to have SEC East implications. Uh, but but that would be really interesting. I think you kind of try to hold the rivalry games, the traditional rivalry games, where they are. One more question for you, Rusty, before we get going. And I got one. Okay, got yeah. Yeah, you fire one my way. I, I, I want to answer it. So, say Alabama-Georgia leads off. Game one. CBS, 8 o'clock. It's a nationally televised. It is the game. September 26, Georgia at Bama. Do you not think now they're going to be they're going to be limited people in those bleachers. It could be twenty five percent. It could be thirty percent. Georgia is not walking in to into into Bryant Denny when it is rocking and rolling. Obviously, that's as loud as it, one of the loudest places you'll ever go. Let's just say they have twenty thousand, and that's how they do it. Tell me, Jake, that the fans of Alabama are not going to be there in just large amounts tailgating outside for that game i tell you what it's going to take a it's going to take a massive effort of law enforcement in tuscaloosa to keep they, it from happening. i don't know they can't and if they put might not want to rusty they might be able to they might not want to i'm just telling yeah i'm what i'm saying i mean those fans they're diehard i mean they're sec football fans i cannot unless somebody steps in and says you're not allowed to tailgate within a certain area of this stadium because I'm telling you 
it will be that's the game of the year on paper and everybody's been pent up so long and just need something to look forward to i'm just telling you i, I thought about today driving home i want to see them tell alabama fans you cannot be outside tailgating because i'm telling you you're talking it could be 30 40,000 50,000 people outside that stadium so i, I don't know how they're going to handle that and what's going to be the policy very well could be that way in athens if you know if, if those type of situations so it's more curious on your thoughts because my thoughts are the social distance thing and large crowd i wonder how they're going to try to handle that part because they're not going to be in that stadium but that doesn't mean that these fans can't you know throw up big screens and just tailgate like they're going to the game at eight uh you know i'll tell you what unless we're just in a in a certain clear of this virus and everything i hope not you know like i, I kind of hope that everybody has the good sense to kind of if we're headed in the right direction to keep it headed in the right direction. I mean, there's some positive news starting to trickle out about where things are, are trending and, and more than anything in this world, I really want people to be able to get back to work and not have fear of what's going on. And, and, you know, so I hope not, but ultimately, you know, it's going to come down to how things are enforced, but um, you know, yeah. And, and, and for, for those out there who don't know, um, the SEC is going to get its money from its TV rights holders because they pay for those. Yep. So the people that would benefit from a massive, massive rating on television is CBS or, or, or ESPN or whoever would carry that game, uh, you know, September 26th, because that one is going to have eyeballs galore on it and may even have higher ratings because I don't know how this works. I studied it in college a little bit, but but there aren't there probably aren't going to be very many bar TVs with it on. So there's going to be a lot of televisions on that night, uh, maybe more so than normal with uh, w- with that game on. All right, Rusty, let's wrap it up with this. As of right now, I know we've heard the comments: Georgia and Florida in Jacksonville. Um, yes, and and I'm just going to be blunt about it. Too much money not to be there. Uh, now, again, what's the tailgate situation like? Because where's the where is the value for Jacksonville to have this game? Why does Jacksonville give millions of dollars? I think two and a half million per year, three million. Yeah, they, they're paying they're paying two million one one million to Florida, one million to Georgia. That's 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 one million each guaranteed, and then the two teams split the gate. And there's some there's also some travel implications in there too. They pay. 100% of Georgia's travel, 100% of Florida's travel, all of that stuff. Well, you do that. Okay, the, what's the incentive? The incentive is your city and your state and your condos and your beaches for four to five days are full. Every restaurant, every bar, full. Every hotel room, full. That's not going to happen this year. So I wonder when it comes down to it, but obviously, you know, that's another thing. I mean, they're going to tell those Georgia fans you can't drive down to 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 Amelia and, and St. Simons. I don't know. I mean, those are questions that's going to be answered, and I think there's going to have to be some type of policy of, hey, you cannot tailgate within certain areas of the stadium. I, I, I don't know how the answer, but, you know, the incentive to have it in Jacksonville is all about the dollar bill. And it's because of those people, those fans, Georgia fans, Florida fans, coming to your city and spending a lot of money over four or five days. So I do think it's going to be there, but that's going to be interesting because 
I mean, the stadium split. So, you know, how are you going to look? I don't, I don't know, man. We're all going through this and learning every day. Um, I think this is a year to where they, they probably, um, you know, should have flipped the coin and said, all right, you get a home game or you don't. Cause Georgia's got Georgia and Florida. Correct. Both have four home games. Uh, no, because Florida is the designated road team this year, so that counts as one of their road games. So they get five uh, five home games, four true road games in a neutral side, and Georgia's flipped. Georgia gets four, one neutral side, and five away games, five true away games. So that's, that's kind of how it works out. But at the same time, you gotta you got to kind of listen to what Greg McGarity said, and I, I very much agree with him. If they were to say home and home these two years because of this special circumstance and to move the contract back, then you've got Georgia – hosting Florida with limited or no no fans, and then you've got to make the trip there next year and play in front of 90,000. And I don't I don't think you want to do that either. I hope there's 90,000 in the stadium next year. That'd be fantastic. But Yeah, me too, man. Yeah, me too. Georgia, look, a lot of questions. But at the end of the day, I went through every scenario. I've been, I've been in South Georgia all week, drove home today, long drive, and thought about every scenario. At the end of the day, if these kids are safe and we can play football – I'm sure these coaches are like, let's just deal with it. I know there was probably a lot of stuff going on, a lot of phone calls being made on this SEC schedule and these additional games and all that. But at the end of the day, you put these these 14 coaches in a room and you say, this is how it's going to be done. This is the only way we can do to play. They're going to make it work. Yeah, they're going to throw the, they're going to smack him hands together and say, let's go, let's get to practice, let's you know because yep. Sam Pittman and Lane Kiffin and Eli Drinkowitz and and uh, and uh, uh, Mike Leach, they want to get their culture going. And and Kirby Smart, he wants to develop his guys, Nick Saban and and all the teams that are a little bit more established. They want to get this thing going. The players want to get it going. And that's been the most disappointing thing about, about this whole thing is the, the lack of list, being able to hear players talk about it because I've talked to parents, and parents tell me, man, my kid just wants to play. And, you know, he's he's a growing adult, and, and I want him to be able to play. And so there's that element of it too. Um, you know, obviously, I, I listen, I understand the risk. I understand all of that, and, and I want this thing to go away as fast as it could possibly go away. I want everybody to behave correctly and, and wear your mask and do what you're supposed to do, uh, do your part to make it go away. But I also want football. And if, if it can be done safely, which Ron Corson told us today, Ron Corson said, if I didn't think that our players could do it safely, they wouldn't be out there doing it. And that's a medical professional, a guy that's been at this a very long time and has been listening to emergency medicine experts uh, infectious disease experts, uh, you know, internal care, all of that stuff. So, you know, they've, they've got their opinions on it and, and hopefully we can make this work. And I just want to, I would encourage everybody to do your part and, uh, and, and be careful and continue to kind of make this thing slide. And, and hopefully at some point in the very near future, normalcy returns and, and maybe next year, maybe heck, maybe at the end of this year, we're able to kind of have real deal college football, what we love. Uh, but for this episode of Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Jake Rowe, Dogs 24-7. He's Rusty Mansella, Dogs 24-7. And you all take it easy. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. 
Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.